0: Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goode, I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who got his CDL so he can drive Big Bertha. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you?
1: Big Bertha is a man who loves to play on words, who loves a pun. Um, he might be one of my top ten most exciting storylines for the the upcoming football season uh basically a giant beer uh something i don't remember how many taps but lots of beer taps uh playing off the, off the big bertha and how we bang the drum as as we are wont to do every week um but this is now we'll have to come up with a new segment gerald called uh i don't know slap the tap or we'll, we'll figure it out <laughs> um but uh i'm excited nonetheless big beer at the be a forever tradition this is this is not jetpack guy this is the good stuff
0: i will never be on a podcast with a segment called slap the tap i'm just gonna throw that out there we're not we're not doing that on on a podcast if you want to edit and you want to produce you can do that but i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna be the producer of that podcast uh but we're here kyle we are 11 days away 11 days away from kickoff. And so we got a practice report from the scrimmage. Stark made some comments. Uh, PK made some comments. We'll talk about Coach Kwiatkowski's commentary. We'll preview the defensive backs. We'll close the show out with some down the 40 and we'll bang the drum. So there's a couple of things to talk about out of this last week of practice and scrimmages. And I think we have to start with the with the oldest and probably the most um, controversial lightning rodish. I don't know. It Got weird like traction on Twitter, but when asked about kind of expectations for the years, uh, Texas uh, defensive coordinator Pete Kwiatkowski set the target for the defense at somewhere around twenty points per game. Now, for context, uh, just ten Power Five slash independent schools last year hit the twenty point per game uh, defensive mark, and. Two of them made the college football playoff. One was darn close to 20 Clemson, and then Ohio State's kind of the outlier, giving up 25 per game. But um, last year was a weird year, and like, is that a fair expectation for a defense in modern football and in the Big 12 uh, of all places?
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there's some there's some decent offenses in the Pac-12, and, and you think about like a Mike Leach offense, and, and that's the stat a lot of folks use to justify just how good Kwiatkowski is and and what he did to you know an elite uh, Mike Leach type offense that really no one else has ever been able to do consistently Um, while at Washington um, uh, look I think the last time Texas did it was 2017 Um, I I don't um, I think it's great to have standards I think it's it's rare to hear a coach not you know use platitudes and coach speak and you know 300 words to say nothing um he said something and so he will be held to it if they give up 28 points a game you you better you guarantee that you know a cold takes exposed or Blinken riley or some sooner internet troll uh is is gonna be reminding of this right um and and yeah. is there right to do i think when you put yourself out there you, you you open yourself up to the the reverberation of it but uh yeah i mean I like it because Coach K is also a quiet guy. He's not a bulletin board to come out, rah-rah, beat your chest. He's pretty quiet. Um, so if he says it, he must feel pretty good, I think, about this unit.
0: Why put that target on your chest in the Big 12, right? Like, why be the guy that everyone's like, oh, I don't run this. And granted, like, it died out after a couple of days, and there'll be other things to talk about. But, like... I also I'm not like a points per game guy because I think like, you know, the right. the Alabama points per game thing like they shut out Mississippi State and held Arkansas and Kansas to a combined six points like those are terrible schools like Clemson's average is floated by like shutting out Citadel and giving up just seven to a Georgia Tech tire fire right like uh, Notre Dame shut out South Florida who's coming off of the Charlie Strong hangover gave up three against uh, against Pip on uh, seven against like so it's. Like points per game is a weird thing, especially when it's like garbage time comes into play and like all of that. So like, um, but defensive efficiency is a real thing, and I'm excited to see it. You know, if you look at again, if you if you're not an advanced stats person, like it's I, this is what I do. Like it's something that's just interesting to me, but like. You know, Texas was not too far off from like where Ohio State ended the year last year, as far as a points per drive uh, standpoint. And this is uh, garbage time adjusted. We're like, you know, Alabama was like one one point eight two points per drive. Uh, Notre Dame was at one seven three. Ohio State was two point one, and Texas was two point one six. So like, they're not super far off. And there's a really actually, if you look at the reason why, if you're a again, if you're interested in this, I'm a I'm a BCF toys. Guy bcftoys. Um, Brian Fremo is just a he's just the dude um, and he puts up an explainer and there's like a ninety percent correlation he's come up with for like defensive points per drive and like expected wins like wins and losses so Texas was not too far off the elites um, defensively last year if you look at their splits and you look at the game splits the offense was the problem in those three losses the defense was significantly better than the offense in those three losses and so. You know the expectation is probably a little too lofty for my tastes, but if Texas can hold serve defensively and take a step forward offensively, they're probably in a really good spot this next year.
1: You know a game I actually recently went back and and, and watched and it, it dawned on me, just I had forgotten how much the defense carried the offense at times last year, was the Oklahoma State game. And obviously the, the Joseph Osai sack was a good reminder at defense coming up and making plays but it felt like there was just turnovers that the offense would turn into like you know a, a three-yard drive for a field goal or you know um defense makes a big play and then the offense three and out. It's like it just felt like in that game that that the, it, people will rightfully say and 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 you know it's a close game and we talk about texas losing by 13 points last year and say look there was you know Any number of times, if the defense doesn't make a play, that they lose that Oklahoma State game. So, you you, you know, it goes both ways. But there is also a world where the offense comes out hyper efficiently for that defense last year, and they beat Oklahoma State by three touchdowns um, because that defense played that good. They were just on the field a ton. I mean, they basically gave up 10 points across third, fourth, and overtime. um, So they really, especially in the second half, um, hunkered down even more so. But um, yeah, I mean, that was, there were many examples and gerald is is the the bigger and better nerd i like advanced stats too but <laughs> gerald is better at him but i will do the good old-fashioned eye test and tell you um in that game i mean the oklahoma state defense was vaunted and they they looked good but i would not have said they were necessarily inherently better than that texas defense um i i i, I very much think that texas was the better defense obviously they won the game on their defense um that that game but anyway so that's that's just to say that um i think you're right gerald if, if they can that game they gave up 34 points but played good defense if we can come out of every game and we did last year many times saying defense did great especially from you know after the first couple weeks and and whether that means they give up 17 points or they give up 28 points but if it if it means they are uh you know holding holding the team when they need to getting their offense in good positions uh you know getting their offense the ball back those types of things then then sure there are many ways to to measure this and and we'll look at all of them
0: and as we talk about the offense we can kind of shift into uh the the scrimmage over the weekend and so texas uh had a scrimmage and shockingly enough you and i just gasping you know texas fans may have overreacted a little bit to the out of context quotes about the quarterback position last week so the defense played well the quarterback position struggled a little bit And lo and behold, scrimmage two, what does Sark come out and lead with is that they played winning football today at the quarterback spot, starting with taking care of the ball. And he praised the quarterbacks and how well they adjusted and reacted from week to week. Multiple touchdown drives, Casey Thompson, according to reports, putting together scoring drives with the twos and Hudson Card doing the Hudson Card things and being the gunslinger he is sometimes. Uh, So It seems like Sark has got a hefty decision to make. And and the quote that jumps out to me is... Uh, I, it's on my mind that you'd ideally pick sooner rather than later, but that doesn't mean I have to tell you guys, these guys have made it difficult because outside of last Saturday, they're playing really good. And that gives me a sense of comfort. So it sounds like to me that Sark has a good idea, or at least he'll be able to, because they're putting together the two deep depth chart over the next few days, Tuesday, as you're recording it, it should be, uh, the team probably will have it finalized middle of this week, but like. It seems like Sark knows who he wants to start at quarterback and maybe he'll just hold his his cards close to the chest um, until the kickoff against Louisiana.
1: I remember there was an older uh, FIFA video game let's call it 2016 or something where they introduced where as the manager you could give press conferences and it affected team chemistry and various things based on the types of answers you get I thought that was interesting right the way you use the media for things affecting your own team I wonder you know how much carrot and stick we talked last week about when he he, he, you know said it wasn't up to par you know is that the Nick Saban the carrot versus the stick that would obviously be the stick you know saying you know he's not going to come out and say it's good enough but you know is it for the the players is he using that uh, the media now praising to kind of build back up uh, or, or honestly is there a little bit of coy um, media gamesmanship here where you know ca- cards are close to the chest um, certain things are said or you know certain things aren't shown or um, you know maybe even likes the conversation being that that the quarterbacks aren't looking great there's not a decision this thing when when like you said in, in fact he can lay his head down at night and, and have that answer and and know that there's a big playbook that hasn't really been peaked out there yet. I, I, we'll, we'll wait and see, right? I think is is the, is all that we can leave here with is, is we'll wait and see. But I, I, I do believe that at the beginning, when when Sark's kind of original assessment of the roster, he said, we have two good quarterbacks who could play and, and we're in a better position than, than most teams with either of them. And I think that is the truth and i think we can forget that when we focus and we you know it's like twilight i'm team jacob i'm team edward or whatever people get hyper like uh into buying into one of these guys at the expense of the other they're both longhorns i will cheer obviously for either one of them um whichever one wins the starting job it's because you know the coach thinks that gives them the best chance for success and i'm choosing to to trust the coach until we have reason not to right so um I think that's the re- the reminders. These are both good quarterbacks, so this battle is an interesting one. There's interesting battles all around camp. They're they're looking to get that that two deep solidified, as uh, as Gerald said, as we get in a single digit countdown to to game day. So um, I, I will be very curious, but I I wonder uh, how much of this was cleverness on on Mister Sark's part.
0: Yeah, it it seems like I mean he's. He's a Saban coaching tree guy, right? Like he is a Saban acolyte at this point. And so
1: Saban and Pete yeah. Carroll, two guys who both use the media and, and, and their quotes in different ways. I mean, talk about two love him or hate him. Pete Carroll's an incredible coach for a long yeah. time. Two guys on opposite coasts who do things opposite ways. Um, just to take that and, and pick the best out of both of them. Really interesting pedigree.
0: I joked about it on Twitter. You know, it was me who was running the, the podcast Twitter page on Monday. But like, are we, are we shocked that the, the media windows are just showing the things that the coaching staff <laughs> wants us to see? Oh, my goodness. What? A media-savvy coach at the University of Texas? <laughs> Who would have thunk it? No, but, like, there is probably more meat on the bone than we even know, and there are none, at least none of us. You and I don't have sources, right? And most of the people tweeting on Twitter don't have sources, right? We we
1: have. I promise I have I have more sources than most of the people tweeting on on Twitter. <laughs> I'll say that. Uh, I don't have a ton of sources, but I guarantee I, I know a couple more people than anyways. I won't know only. Yes, uh, minimal yes. sources. None of us know anything.
0: Mi- correct. We we are not insiders. We'll say it like that. We're not insiders.
1: And correct. And we proudly are. So we don't claim to be, nor charge you ten dollars a month for 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 this podcast, but. You can always Venmo. us.
0: Please, please, absolutely. Cash App, Venmo, <laughs> Apple Pay. Heck, just mail me ten but ten mail me a ten dollar bill. I don't care. It's fine. No, but like we will know when, when Sark wants us to know. And again, I will bang this drum until things uh prove otherwise. But as a as a firm and early member of how on God's green earth is Mac Jones, if number one driver, first round draft pick, like Steve Sarkeesian knows what he's doing with the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. I'm totally fine. Matt Leinart. There's a reason why Matt Leinart was great in college and then decided to be terrible in the NFL, right? There's a lot. He, Sark has a lot of skins on the wall. He's got way more than I do. So I'm just going to trust his judgment as it comes to the quarterback battle. So it wasn't just the quarterbacks that we had words on. There are, um, a couple of other spots that he feels good about mentioned running backs that they're actually, he said they're four deep at running back, mm-hmm. which is really incredible. And, and I'm a two, four, seven guy because well, Mike Roach is my dude, but there were mentions of Jonathan Brooks looking really good. Uh, Playing in in the position of Keelan Robinson, who is uh, held out with with a little bit of an injury precaution. But like having four guys at running back is a is a convenience that most schools don't have. He also feels good about the depth on defensive line. He feels good about special teams and he feels better about the offensive line. They did a week ago. He also specifically mentioned Andre Carrick, um, Hayden Connor, Topamate on the offensive line and then Joshua Moore taking advantage of some injury reps uh, and showing out a little bit in the scrimmage.
1: I think Joshua Moore is one who who is really promising, really kind of makes me feel better. Uh, again, to go back to what Gerald tweeted, and I think we both feel very strongly, is that we haven't necessarily seen 100% of the playbook by design. Um, Sark's MO is, is hunting matchups with motion, and, and um, I think he will scheme to get guys open, but... For the quarterbacks, for the success, for the top end, the championship aspirations that we want at the University of Texas, there is a big component to the passing offense. You know, we're going to run the ball, of course, but to the passing offense of creating separation and so seeing Josh Moore beat, who again we have a set of good defensive backs who looked very well, but beat uh, some defensive backs and get some touchdowns, um, get that separation um, is is exciting because he's a player who you know you just look at production returning. We don't have a ton. You have a lot of upside, a lot of. Um, you know potential but Josh Moore is probably the guy with the most on the books and did it at times, in really spectacular ways. So, if he can get a, a consistency and, and be, um, again, that that solidify one of those spots, and, and and Sark be looking to get him the ball, then you could see those numbers go up. And, and again, I, th- I think it would be he's he's a, a really interesting candidate for for being, um, you know, a featured guy in a Sark offense because he can do uh, a little bit of everything inside, outside, and and again, just a, an interesting receiver. I'm curious to see optimized.
0: The wide receiver spot may not be deep, right? We, we may have some question marks. Whittington needs to stay healthy. Xavier Worthy has had some mm-hmm. some tightness. So, like, Josh Moore has an opportunity to be the guy in a way that I think mm-hmm. he's wanted to, in a way that we've wanted him to be for a while. Yeah. You and I both thought that Josh Moore coming on campus could be a guy. And then did some dumb stuff with a gun a couple years ago and kind of derailed his uh, trajectory. So, he's... I, I like seeing a kid get a second chance and, and really have the opportunity to um, make good on it. A guy, another guy that I hope can, can, get a better string of luck is Troy O'Meary who's injured had had an injury we it was a it was a practice injury in the last scrimmage scrimmage one um and he he was already rehabbing on the knee but as of last week uh Sark said that it's not really day-to-day but it's not going to be months or still try to feel it out a little bit that wide receiver room uh Texas needs to figure it out and have because it's looking at this point that like Two tights might be the base set for this offense as they figure things out at the wide receiver spot. That being said, Cade Brewer dropped a bunch of weight, so maybe he's... Going to be playing faster, and you and I are both, you know, inaugural members of the Wiley Hive. So, like, it's not necessarily a bad outcome for Texas.
1: Good running backs, a lot of depth at tight end, uh, receivers. Uh, you're going to catch balls in the Sark offense. Who's going to step up and do it at this point, right? Who's going to step up? Marcus Washington has chances. I mean, who's going to step up and be uh, a guy uh, in in this offense? We'll be seeing that. We'll be talking about that a little bit in our preview coming up here. So make sure you tune in for that. So that's the last.
0: Non-game week preview. So we're moving into new realms, just like the Texas Longhorns, who moved into not just school week mode, but they moved into training. They moved out of training camp mode uh, as classes start tomorrow. As you're listening to this, they also moved into the new South End zone on Monday as we're recording it. So it's um it's a new season for Texas football. We hope that uh, the new season brings new results and new outcomes, and hopefully new conversations for us to have. So, we are wrapping up our Texas season preview series, and we are on the defensive backs, Kyle. Um, The defensive back philosophy is going to be a little different this year than you're expecting. Positions like the Nickelback are going to play different roles. Uh, This is, again, we've talked about it, that, that two that 2-4-5 situation that we love to see from PK. But um, Ash had the, the cornerbacks kind of playing a press quarters last year, which is very similar to what TCU was run. And we've already seen uh, what the three three five can look like with these guys. Um, PK is bringing a, a zone matching system. And so Texas is – trying to learn these these young players are trying to learn their third kind of defensive back play style but the good thing about tom herman is that tom herman left the cupboard pretty stocked in the defensive backfield so hopefully these young guys can uh, pick up the system and really rely on their athleticism to put them in position to make plays
1: yeah absolutely and and you're going to see a lot of match three which again if you've followed alabama that's a saban you know philosophy that that he's had for years um so you'll see that and then vision corners like a, a a soft read basically coach k likes a like a i don't want to call it bend don't break but they, they like to keep guys in front of them and so you're going to see cornerbacks kind of feeling routes out keeping their eyes on the cornerback which or quarterback excuse me which which i know has been a texas fan gripe um for years in 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 multiple defensive coordinator uh, schemes the past couple years, uh, especially Orlando. And so I, I think there's going to be um – Two things, which is which is don't give up the big play and be ready to break on balls and hopefully hopefully get some turnovers. And again, when we talk about the some of the the names that here in in this room, there's there's playmakers who you get a ball in their hands and, and they could be gone. Obviously, there's one that comes to mind uh, more than any with Deshaun Jameson, but uh, there, there's a lot of playmakers uh, across this defensive backfield.
0: Yeah, so you you mentioned Deshaun Jameson, uh, Josh Thompson is another guy who's probably locked in as a starter um on the the cornerback spot likely on the left side. Keaton Crawford is a kid that you and I both love coming out of high school. Very fast mm-hmm. kid, big upside kid. Uh, he's going to be one of the one of the players that gets in the rotation probably pretty heavily at cornerback. Again, you like being able to rotate your defensive backs when you're playing in a offense heavy league, like the big 12. Um, and then uh, Jade Barron is another kid who's gotten a lot of reps when, when Thompson has been out. And so there are a lot of horses in uh, the barn, uh, Darian Dunn's a guy that they picked up out of the transfer portal uh, he may be a uh, he may have been a depth piece a little bit as a guy who's looking for a home in Texas and needed some depth uh, at cornerback and, he, and he's a guy who fits the scheme, he's got uh, some age to him which is nice because you can always use more um, senior figures in the locker room
1: yeah and a guy who knows how to get the ball as well was a ball hawk uh, in his time again at a different level coming from McNeese, but you, you like a guy with a proven record when, when you bring in a transfer who had I think 5 or 6 interceptions and uh, a guy with some good athleticism as well after after you know if he does make those but uh, uh, Jameer Johnson is is a guy I mean I think when they tighten up the rotation you won't see a ton of him this year but if he gets on the field he won't look lost uh, as a young guy with upside but I really think those four you mentioned and and again with with Crawford and and Barron Barron's taken uh, a lot of reps with Thompson uh, held out um, dealing with some some injury stuff and so um, I, I think any of those four and, and probably maybe multiple of those four will see the field very early on and often. Um, again, if there's no injuries, I do think that the, the, the experience you have returning the two starters from last year in Thompson and Jameson is is going to be um, desired. And I think Jamison has really, really locked in that spot and is looking from all reports out of camp like a difference maker there. And so that's exciting. But the interesting thing is, is you know, How we've used the nickel in the past and who's going to line up there. I think we just made assumptions that Chris Adamore had kind of been the move and and we we talked a little bit about how nickel was almost a linebacker in previous regimes in our linebacker preview um, and how we use that. This scheme will be different in general. Um, You don't have any requirement of, of setting the edge, like in Todd Orlando's four, I, you know, defense uh, you're not in the linebacker room like you had with, with Chris Ash um, PK has the nickel basically playing kind of overhang on the perimeter and they're going to have help with an outside linebacker and handling that edge and an inside linebacker fitting interior runs. So they're going to be more of what you traditionally think of as a nickel as being an inside kind of a uh, hybrid cornerback but who can tackle like a safety. So um, Anthony Cook, given all of that, has put his potential, which, again, he's in that lauded class of defensive backs, uh, has, has fit in well um, over kind of taken Adam Moore and made that new nickel position his own, and, and Adam Moore moved back more to safety. Jaron Thompson's a guy who's, who's kind of number two at a lot of positions from what I've heard. And, uh, you know, I think with him, and Cook is probably a big reason that, that you see Adam Moore moving back a little because I think they like both of those guys at the nickel a lot.
0: Of that, that 2018 defensive class, right – Anthony Cook's a guy who we've been kind of wait. another guy. We mentioned Josh Moore in the first part of it. Another guy from that 20, you know, that 2018 class that we've just been waiting to make the jump and waiting to really like put his name on it and lock it down. Cause he's a guy who could be really, really good. And we see a lot of potential BJ Foster's another guy from that 18 class at safety. Who's played quite a bit and played really well in some spots, but we want to see him play probably more consistency is a, is a way to say it, maybe a little more consistently. Um, And then, you know, completing that look at at strong safety, Brendan Schooler is a guy who, I'll just go ahead and say it, I think the only reason he played wide receiver last year is because they needed bodies. Because if you look at his body of work when he was in the Pacific Northwest, uh, his best year was his true freshman year playing safety. And so he's a guy who I think is going to come in and be a playmaker. And uh, I've, there have been reports that he's not just a guy who can make plays back there, but he's also a guy who's kind of quarterbacking the defense and putting guys in position and making them more successful. And you need leaders on that defense and you need somebody who's going to be vocal and help organize things, especially in a defense that's going to give you that many looks. If you've got a guy back there who can help keep things organized and orchestrated. And again, these are all great football players are all smart guys, but if you've got, if you've got multiple vocal leaders, you've got chaos. And so a guy who could take over and have that conversation is really good. And so I'm excited to see what that kind of steadying hand does to this group.
1: Yeah. A guy who uh, had, I think, again, five uh, plus interceptions his freshman year at Oregon really looks like a, a safety. They had a crisis at wide receiver. He again made the move for the team a Roshan Johnson type of move to receiver for Oregon. Um, so that kind of was, was, how he originally moved, he was comfortable in both um, Texas. When he came here, uh, you know, had Stearns and just had a lot of depth at, at safety. It made sense to play receiver. Um, a lot of people thought, you know, with the speed of Tyler Owens, and, and again, now that Adam Morris probably moved back there uh, as well, that those guys might be pushing him. But Schooler really seems to have held them off, and it seems like it is going to be what you talked about, Gerald, just kind of being that true. You think old school strong safety John Lynch? You know your your Ronnie Lott, your guys who just you hit and and read the whole field and 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 lay back and and uh, but again also a guy who who you think maybe like a like a hopefully better even version of Dylan Haynes who you know the ball just finds a way into the safety's hands. Um, so you know I, I I like Schooler back there. Foster's a guy who is a hitter. We know that without a doubt. He likes to get dirty and play football hard he's played with injuries you know but he is a guy who has a chance if he's really good if he plays to potential this year then then this is an elite unit that that you know is truly you know has a chance to just propel this this uh this team i'd be curious um kind of where he looks uh and and there was talk that when they went to a base set with no nickel Cook actually moved back to free safety and was splitting some reps with Foster there. So would be curious to watch kind of who wins out uh, in the safety room. But I, I think if you have the experience of Schooler, Foster, and then you look at corners with, uh, you know, Jamison and Thompson and then just Cook, who's been in the program for a while, you have five really experienced guys who you're starting out there as your most likely five in the defensive backfield. And again playmakers speed you like everything that you have there um you think back to the time when you had a Malik at linebacker and just put a bunch of fast guys who could make plays behind him and that was probably the best Texas defense has looked in the past few years I I wouldn't be mad about something you know with similar uh similar speed playmaking breaking on balls um and again just maybe a little sure tackling and we'll be in be in business
0: Here's hoping the um the Todd Orlando tackling has finally been exercised <laughs> There were some uh, videos of USC practice Yes, that Uh. the Orlando tackling was in full effect. So hopefully we just send it out west like all of our other transfers. Uh, Just get it out of here. Go to L.A. But that's the part of the show where we do kind of our news whip around and we down the 40. And so we'll start with... Uh, the big news. Texas has been a little lagging, we'll say, in the NIL situation, the name, image, and likeness situation. And Del Conte had been been teasing for a while that something big was coming. And then on Friday, lo and behold, Texas announced that there is a group licensing deal in place. For University of Texas athletes and the university uh, partnering with the Brander Group, and so basically, what it does for both the athletes and the university is that athletes can now use the Texas logo and branding for their NIL deals. Up till now, it's been generic athlete in a black and white jersey or all of those things, you know, no Texas affiliation other than like what you know. And so now they can use the Texas branding. And what it does for Texas is now you can go into the co-op and buy a, five, a number five jersey with Robinson on the back and the school makes a lot of money. He'll make a little bit of money, but it allows them to group license and group brand as well. That's huge for a, a and I'll just say it like Del Conte has kind of come under a little bit of fire as of late to how Texas has been behind the times a bit on on the NIL deal. So this is a huge step and gets Texas uh, in the conversation where they should be on NIL
1: the way Texas fans and have kind of been talking about this. It felt a little a little silly, right? Like think back to Entourage when, uh, you know, every every brand or every ad agency p- pitches Vince, you know, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Mercedes, Vinny Chase. You know, it, it, people have kind of been saying the opposite. Like, oh, we should be signing more guys to, you know, $800 uh, interview deals for certain websites or whatever. Like yeah. This feels to me more like the Del Conti brand take a second get it there but swing big you're talking about brander who handles again at the 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 big 3 sport level with with uh, NBA MLB and, and NFL their group licensing deal they they are you bring in a big group you do it on a professional scale you do it on a professional level that's how Texas does it you know we are the big brand our athletic department has has the money and the revenue we know that we knew or I, I knew, I hope all of us knew that, you know, a guy as savvy as Del Conte had something coming. I don't think this is the end of it either. Um, but I, I do think that this is the really professional kind of first big swing. We're going to see some more stuff here. Again, there will be small deals. I mean, we, we haven't been talking about people like, like, Peyton Stearns on the tennis team I think has a has a, a bar stool Viper pit glasses and Southern tide smile. you know like we haven't talked about every single little thing I think we're maybe missing that um, because we're seeing other schools did this and they did this but I think this is this is the the kind of professional uh, you know Mac Brown school of you know classy remember we're the big dog way to do it and i i think we're gonna see nothing but good stuff but i do feel bad for vince young and the millions of dollars he's lost on all the generic number 10 jerseys uh over the past uh, decade and some change
0: we can look at it in retrospective, guys who would have made a lot of money, but we can also look forward at the guys that will make a lot of money and, and be able to capitalize uh, on their uh, on their their image. So more to come on that as things progress. The soccer team, after a successful opening to the season against Abilene Christian in an exhibition, uh, fall to UCF four 0 on the road and then tie Florida one one after giving up uh, an equalizer in the 87th minute and so Texas is actually oh one and one on the season Uh, so hopefully they can get a one in the win column
1: uh, soon yeah absolutely a a tough Florida team and two overtimes they 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 put I don't know how many shots I was. I was looking at the like the the, the recap notes, and it was like Missimo hits bar, uh, goalie you know makes great save. It's like man, there was a lot of Texas led the shots. They just couldn't put another one in the goal. But I feel good about it. I think they're 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 going in the right direction, uh, even with a tough loss to open it. But maybe that's that's what they needed. They hadn't lost since Lexi Missimo enrolled early, so that was their first taste of defeat.
0: Number one, Texas
1: volleyball.
0: Beat LSU three one in an exhibition. Uh, names you've heard before were big in it: Logan Eggleson Skyler Fields, uh, Breonna Butler. All did their thing. Uh, Melanie Para finished with twelve digs and five service aces, so that's good to see from the newcomer.
1: Absolutely, that's 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 what I wanted to talk about. There is Melanie Para, a, a person who, who kind of at the very very end of the season with COVID with everything else, forced her way into the rotation, um, but, but wasn't there all season in Texas's biggest probably problem was, uh, was, you know, serving errors. And so if you're bringing in someone who's just handing out aces, uh, I think Eggleston led the team last year with like 40 or something like that. She had five in in the first scrimmage. So if she's averaging five, a match, uh, you're going to be in a good spot. And again, uh, 12 digs is nice as well. Um, so, you know, we, we, we talked about, we returned everyone. That's why they're number one, but also they're, they're folding in, uh, some, some new players as well. So a force to be reckoned with the volleyball team.
0: So next up for them, they open the season officially against San Diego State before taking on UTSA in the newly reopened Gregory Gymnasium after it dealt with uh, some flooding due to the rains these past weeks. Both men's and women's basketball team is playing in the Pac-12 Coast to Coast Challenge this upcoming season. The men will take on Stanford. The ladies will take on Arizona, who's coming off of – a really good season and they're probably going to be good again this year
1: if you talk about it texas having an elite uh, cinderella elite eight run i think arizona's had the cinderella national championship run lost by one point in that game knocked off uconn to get there in the final four and then lost uh to the Stanford women team uh by one point in that in that title game so a team that's expected to be really really good so that'll be a that'll be a really good matchup between two really good coaches as well
0: I love to see it. Golf announces their fall twenty one, spring twenty two schedule. They open the season on the thirteenth of September. The men's team uh, and the women's team, both uh, at Merido, the Merido College Invitational in Carrollton, Texas. So not too far north. Keeping it in the Country Club, four college players were invited as wildcards to the U.S. Open qualifying tournament uh, on the 24th and 27th of this month. Two of them happened to rep the burnt orange, uh, Peyton Stearns and Elliott Spaziri. Guys, we like to or I guess people, really, we like to watch and enjoy uh, on the hard surface. And then it's still watch list season. Texas had a couple of players named to watch lists. Junior Anguilau was named to the Polynesian College Football Player of the Year Award. Watch list Casey Thompson found his name on the Unitas Golden Arm Awards. And then Bijan Robinson was an ESPN and AP preseason All-American, so we're excited uh, to see that at least some of these players are getting the respect that we feel like they deserve.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for postseason awards. Preseasons are always great, but let's uh, let's talk about the tens of, of 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 players with postseason awards once we you know run the table.
0: <laughs> but now's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics: Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. Brought to you by Joe. Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week?
1: I'm Big Bertha banging the tap on. Okay, I, I, I won't. <laughs> I won't force it. Uh, I, I'm excited. Speaking of Big Bertha, speaking of Big Bertha, I'm going to see him, Gerald. I'm going to the opening game, and I am. I'm excited. Last year, 2020 was the first UT football season in. 17 years, something like that, 14 years, 15 years. I haven't been to a game. I usually go to two, three, four uh, a year. Um, obviously, last year was a weird year. Didn't go to uh, any game, and I started thinking about it. I haven't actually been since Louisiana Tech, the opener, two years ago. I didn't go to many uh, the year before. So it's it's uh, it, it feels like a long time. I don't know why I, I feel... Uh, so distant. I uh, haven't haven't been there to connect to hear the fans roar to smell the turf. Um, you know, I, I, I I'm excited. I, I love what Del Conte's done with the atmosphere, the tailgating, the the Bevo Boulevard, the Big Bertha, the the Shaky Graves playing at the uh, at the Longhorn City Limits, uh, this, the carnival atmosphere they have for kids, the food trucks. Um, it's it's fun. I can't wait. Like I'm actually giddy. Uh, I, I really can't wait to be back in Austin, to be back in, in game day atmosphere, to be back at DKR and to, you know, open up the Sarkeesian era. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. I'm giddy. I'm excited. It's like a kid before Christmas. I am counting down the hours.
0: Hopefully, you get a really good gift when you go to this Christmas like event. It's <laughs> all great for you. Again, if you're going there and the Four Brothers food truck is there, that's what you need to hit on Bevo Boulevard. The Arepas are just incredible. I absolutely love it. I'm banging the drum this week on probably my favorite NIL thing I've seen thus far, brunch with the bigs. So over the weekend, the Texas offensive linemen who are doing this NIL thing as a unit hosted a breakfast uh, at Jew Boy Burgers and they had kind of, this was a brunch and a breakfast, but had a meet and greet situation. And I absolutely love that one. Players are getting to do this and capitalize on it and make a little bit of money for themselves. I am still a little upset that they haven't connected with Casey Studdard. Maybe if they have a good year, Casey will actually allow them to. He actually said it on Twitter. He retweeted us and said they gotta earn it. So earn it, fellas. I want to see it. I want to see past and present come together. But what I'm really what I really want to talk about with this is just the fact that the way that the offensive line is doing it is, is incredible. And is one of the cool things about this, they're setting it up as a unit where when the old guys graduate, the young guys can step in and continue carrying on a lot of these deals because they're doing it again as a group. And so that's really what the, the name image and likeness changes are all about is allowing players to build on the brand that's already established In get value for what they are and what they're contributing. And so I'm excited to see that. I'm going to love to see more of it now that the university uh, has agreed and they've agreed with the university to let them use the university branding. These things will continue to blow up and be awesome for them. So I'm excited that these players are finally getting the fair market value for their name and likeness.
1: Yeah, Juboy is a place I've been actually wanting to try for a long time. I think the uh, the, the burgers look delicious on their Instagram. They've, they've won some awards. I love the name. I've been wanting to try it. So, I mean, hey, if, if, if those hog mollies sign off on it, then uh, then I feel good. I think that's uh, primo.
0: And that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the Internet?
1: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer.
0: Follow me on Twitter. I am at GH. Go follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn pod, Facebook and Instagram, the longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email. Longhorn public pod at gmail.com. We'll be back Thursday with our last season preview. We'll have JT van Gilder of bring on the cats on to help us preview Kansas state before next week. We do our Texas team preview and preview the season opener against the Louisiana Rage and cages. We made it Kyle. We made it through the off-season. Thank you so much for tuning in again this weekend. Until next time, hook em.
1: Hook 'em. Hook Give me some of those delicious burgers.